the PyeongChang Report Card. I'm Ed Hula with this latest edition of Around the Rings Radio. For the past three weeks, the PyeongChang Winter Olympic Games have captured headlines, whether some extraordinary sports results or the international relations of North Korea's participation. These will likely to be Winter Games to remember. We didn't always think that this would be the case. Last year, these were on track to be forgettable Olympics with little buzz, weak ticket sales, and the tension between the U.S. and North Korea not helping very much to encourage spectators to travel to the Games. Now the Olympics have come to a close much different than maybe once forecast, and I think, happily, the overall reaction, the overall uh, delivery of the Games in South Korea. We're about to grade them more seriously here, our traditional post-games post-mortem with members of the Around the Rings team in Pyeongchang who've been there for the better part of the month. We have with us publisher Sheila Scott Hula, Gerard Farrick, the Around the Rings content editor, reporters Aaron Bauer and Brian Pinelli are on the line to join me in this review of the games and to hand out some grades. Um, Overall, a, a pretty smooth-running game. There were some glitches. There were some postponement, postponements and other little things that made it, uh, well, the, the Olympics. But let's start with, uh, with transportation um, compared to, say, Rio de Janeiro and the most preceding Winter Olympics in Sochi. I think everybody can agree transportation was probably spot on compared to these other two games and uh, I give it a, a pretty good grade um, Aaron Bauer Brian Pinelli you had to do a lot of traveling what are your thoughts about the transportation situation well I, I think I'm going to differ from a lot of the other reporters I thought Rio actually had pretty decent transportation uh, a lot more buses available to different venues than here in Pyeongchang and a lot of frustration uh, on my part when you're in one area up in the mountains and to get to another venue in the clo- uh, coastal area, you had to take multiple buses to get there. And especially before the Olympics, trying to line everything up, setting up stories, making sure we have everything all set. When you have interviews all over the place, I think you had to spend just as much time planning the bus schedule as you did planning your stories. So for me, transportation was around a B minus. I think it started to get better as the games went on. I was stuck outside the IBC for close to two hours in zero degree weather uh, after the opening ceremony. And that was, that was pretty unfortunate, but you know, I, I would say mixed bag from transportation. All right. Brian Pinelli, you had it. I, I would disagree, Aaron. I, I thought the bus services ran efficiently, smoothly. And, and what was key, if you didn't know what bus you needed, you can ask the volunteers in English and nine out of ten times, they could point you right to that bus. And one other quick point. I thought the bus drivers were flexible. One morning, we were going to a downhill training run. We found out midway, or not midway, but, but on the way, that it was canceled. Some of the reporters wanted to turn around and go back to the Gangyang Media Village. And we convinced the bus driver to turn the bus around. That would not have happened in Rio and Sochi. So uh, I thought transportation was very good, other than a, a few traffic jams. And Sheila, you want to volunteer some information about transportation. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, I was a lot more limited in where I went and, and what I did. But I was really pleased with how seamlessly um, on our end things operated. Uh, my my 
probably my biggest criticism would have been that there weren't bus shelters. And sometimes on the few occasions we did have to wait outside, sometimes the winds could be pretty bad and it was just, it was brutal. It was, it was dangerous um, to be standing out there without shelter. But at the same time, uh, the buses, I thought, were an enjoyable experience um, with the drivers and the decor and, and whatnot, and they did seem to run pretty well. The venues are said to be very close together for a Winter Olympic Games. I, I think they were. Um, did this help the transportation system? Did this help make it easier to cover these Olympics when we look at the uh, layout of the venues? The issue, kind of, and, and Brian, Brian can talk about the there were some good places where you could go from the media village directly to some of the ski slopes. But, uh, but basically, they had two hubs. One was in the Mount Cluster, and one was in the in uh, Gangyun down in, in the coastal. So to get somewhere in the mountains down to the coastal, usually you had to take two buses. But that, to me, it would have been nicer if we could have said, okay, I'm in the Mount Cluster. I need to get to the hockey venue. And you could go straight there. So, I mean, yes, it was close in the sense that we didn't have to be on a bus like in Torino for an hour and a half to get up to the mountain. But uh, still, the system, I understand why they did it probably, but uh, it would have been nice if we could have had a more direct route to get to some of these venues. And, and, and as you mentioned, Gerard, I was, I was going to say, you know, there, w- there was a direct bus up to the Jungsan venue, which is a little over an hour away from the, the Gangyang Media Village. And okay, they, they were, you know, not that frequent, but, but it worked out pretty well. And just one last point about the buses. It was nice that you can watch events live on them. Uh, actually, going to the gold medal hockey game, I asked the driver if I could turn, you know, from the Korean cultural show to the to the gold medal hockey game, and he handed me the controller, and I worked the TV. So uh, I, I thought they were very accommodating, and the rides didn't seem as long, uh, you know, as, as some people think. I have to say about the venues, I, I think the venues were set up in a way that you could cover multiple events in a day if you had tickets for them or had planned ahead. They, the Gang Yoon cluster was perfectly set up. Um, all of the five venues were right there on top of each other. You could walk from one to the other. Yeah, it took it took minutes. It, it, it wasn't like stories in Sochi where you had to walk across the Olympic Park and it took 25 minutes. You could be there within five minutes from the furthest ones. And there was a number of, of um, events right here in Alpensia that were close to each other, a short bus ride from each other, the ski jumping, the cross-country skiing venue, for example. And, you know, the two furthest venues, as Brian said, were really only an hour away from the main mountain cluster. So you could even go see stuff in the snowboard park in one day and time it right if you're there in the morning and be in Gang Yoon watching the curling event at, at night, which is almost unheard of in other Winter Olympics. Brian, you went to a lot of the uh, outdoor events. How was it in the outdoor vent venues? Were they well-planned? Were they easy for spectators and media to cover? They, they were for the most part, but keep in mind, and you know, I, I think I handled it pretty well, but there were howling winds and very cold days that first week. So, you know, there was no way around it. If you were in the mix zone, you wanted to go back to the press room. Okay. It wasn't that far or just moving around the venue. So yes, they were planned well, but, uh, the weather really took its toll, I think on everyone, you know, you know, that first week and, and obviously with the postponement of numerous Alpine skiing events, uh, it was tough. No question. The next category we want to talk talk about here, accommodations and other logistics. We stayed in variously uh, 
hotel condominium type of uh, 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 lodging uh, in the Alpensia area. Uh, several of our staff stayed in the Media Village in Gangneung. Uh, what was that experience like? Media Village, satisfactory housing? Gerard? I guess it was three times or four times now that I've stayed in Media Villages. This might have been the nicest Media Village. Uh, as far as the rooms, yeah, they were Spartan and they were set up to be for someone to move in immediately afterwards. The, you couldn't really use all the kitchen or anything like that. But I mean, they were Spartan, but they were good and, and they were clean. Uh, the breakfasts were, you know, got repetitious. But of course, you know, you're here a month. As far as I was concerned, I thought the accommodations were, were very good. Sheila, you had some questions about the uh, accessibility and other issues involving accommodations and logistics. I, I would say our, our, our condo um, was quite large. But I was really pleased overall with the apartment because when you're, you're there for that long and if you're just crammed into a room, it does become pretty, pretty bad. But we have a lot of room. But where I, my observation is that Korea, at least in terms of Pyeongchang, has a long ways to go is accessibility. Um, we had to walk to, our, to the breakfast, and by the time we got there, it was probably half a mile from from the door of our apartment to the, the door of the dining room. And oftentimes the, the, the paths were still covered with ice and, and snow and, uh, you know, broken pavement, and they were not well lit at night. And um, that was a real concern when it was so cold and, and awful the first week. It was, you know, better the last few days. But, you know, then even there around Alpensia, I would see sometimes um, there'd be sidewalks or, or, or crosswalks, but there would not be a curb cut. There'd be a very steep curb, and there's just doesn't seem to be any, any thought yet given to um, people whose mobility is limited. So that that was that was very surprising. Moving along, there were sports involved with these Winter Olympic Games. Some really great moments, maybe some. Not so great moments, but uh, I think uh, people were not expecting a lot of sport drama here in Pyeongchang, and I think the games really delivered that. Uh, Brian, certainly witnessing the uh, the hockey match today on the final day of the games. Yeah, lots of drama. I agree, Ed. Fantastic uh, gold medal finale, uh, Germany. Big underdog, knocked off Canada in the semifinals. They had the Olympic athletes from Russia on the ropes after two late goals by Germany. They had a one-goal lead. They, they almost thought the gold medal was theirs. They can taste it. And with a minute left, uh, uh, OAR pulled their goalie and tied it. And, uh, you know, OAR won there in overtime. What a valiant effort by, by Team Germany. And, and I just have to mention, I think the highlight of the games from a sports perspective was Czech skier, snowboarder Esther Ledetska, Shocking the field, winning the Super G, almost unheard of. Snowboard world champion, now all the pressure on her shoulders. And one week later, she won the parallel giant slalom, double gold medals. Even the IOC said that Esther is the, the queen of the games, bubbly personality, en energetic. And her press conference today was, was filled with laughs. So uh, I, I think this, this ranks up there in the top you know, five, maybe ten Olympic Winter Games moments of all time that a, a skier slash snowboarder could win to two gold medals at the Games. 
go ahead. I have to jump in here. I, I really think that people don't grasp the significance of the, the South Korean women's curling team and the run that they went on. Now, the, the games are supposed to provide a boost for hometown athletes, and they're supposed to showcase these sports that aren't necessarily traditional in the host country, and they're supposed to do better. And we saw Korea get medals in skeleton and bobsled, which is great. But the, the women's curling team, ranked eighth in the world, went on a run where they won eight straight games, went to the gold medal game, captured the entire country. The curling venue may have been the most raucous venue at these Olympics, more raucous than short track speed skating, which is the national sport. And that's what these sporting moments are about. And it seemed like that this was an Olympics, Winter Olympics, where I think freestyle and snowboard ski events really took a place maybe superseding maybe the more traditional Alpine and Nordic events as far as the interest, the, the, the response to the public. Um, I think it shows the direction that winter sports are heading. And we saw some great, great performances out there in those events for sure. Press services, um, their main press center, I guess, was the biggest manifestation of that and other uh, help, uh, other services for the press at uh, other venues throughout the games. I think overall the flow of information seemed to be pretty good. Uh, The layout of the main press center, a little problematic. Um, But uh, overall, okay press services. Gerard, what's uh, what's your reaction you had to help plan a lot of this stuff uh, around the ring. Well, yeah, the, I would say the this might be one of the worst that I've ever had uh, as far as press services, uh, mostly because of the building. And it's a temporary structure, no restrooms. You gotta you gotta walk half a mile. Well, not half a mile, but you gotta walk a long way. Go back outside into the cold to another building to go to the bathroom. That's that's already a big no-no as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the coffee supply was hit or miss. Again, okay, I'm whining about coffee, but it would be nice if you could have coffee when you want it. Um, and then the, the issues with the temperature. They could never keep it right because, again, it's a temporary building. I understand that. But when the, uh, the heat was on, it was very, very loud. And when it was off, it was freezing. So our friends here in our... Uh, who share our space, uh, NPR, um, they didn't spend too much time here because they had, it was so loud in here. They couldn't record. They set up a recording, you know, back where they were staying in, uh, the media. Building. So, uh, we didn't see them that often and I can understand why. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to jump in because I was a little chagrined that, you know, with how much we paid for our office and, and I know what the others were, that we were in the temporary building and not, um, it, it did seem to me that we could have been, that the paid offices could have been where the bullpen was. Uh, we were the ones paying the bills, but we were the ones who had to go you know, down the stairs outside into the winds to use a bathroom or to go to the press conferences. And I think in that regard, it was backwards. Your mobility isn't 100%. It was It was really a challenge. So... Korea is supposed to be famous for the quality of its internet service. Uh, we had some 
problems with it going in and out, not being very reliable at times. Uh, what's what's our overall impression of the quality of of, of the internet? Uh, have we gotten gotten better than past games? Hit or miss. I'll, I'll there tell was you. nothing worse than than Rio. There was nothing ever ever worse than trying to deal with phones in Rio. Uh, the phone system in Rio was a disaster. So we, we were able to use WhatsApp and, and communicate in some way, shape, or fashion in Rio. But I will say here, I've been able to send pictures and shoot and go on Facebook and do all this social media stuff uh, easily here. You know, it has not been near the problem. It was, I gave up in Rio. It, it just wasn't going to happen. I saved all my pictures and then downloaded them when I got home. You know, it was it was a nightmare. But so this, I think, is fantastic in comparison. The atmosphere at these Olympic Games, uh, a mixed bag. It was very sort of uh, non-existent at the start. And there were parts of uh, the Pyeongchang Gangneung area where it didn't seem like much was uh, much was was happening the alpensia hub of the games where the press were press facilities were located where the ioc hotel was located seemed to be a pretty quiet place but on the other hand you'd go to the olympic park uh, for example and there were tens of thousands of people wandering around the uh, park going into the sponsor venues and there was a uh, a good vibe but still overall it's uh, still not quite the uh, atmosphere of a of a Winter Olympics. I, I would say at the Alpine venues, it, it was disappointing. Uh, two of the sport's biggest stars, Axel Lund, Svindal, Marcel Hirscher, they said it's always amazing to win an Olympic gold medal, both veterans. They said very strange, though, to, to win with the atmosphere, you know, lack of fans. A World Cup race, we'd see 30, 40, 50,000 people for the men's downhill, and it was a nice day. And it was a great race, but, you know, maybe five or 6,000. So definitely uh, subpar for the alpine skiing events. And even John Franco Casper agreed, although he said, you know what, it could have even been worse. I think that people <laughs> here are judging this in a mindset of a very classical Western European mindset. And when you take the games out of Western Europe, you can't have that mindset anymore. I went to venues that were raucous. They were very loud. You know, at curling, curling of all places, curling. the loudest place I saw. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's 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 you know, the non-traditional sports were the ones where South Korea were excelling, and those were the ones where the fans were showing up. South Korean fans are loud, they're proud. You just had to go where they were if you wanted to experience a South Korean hospitality at a South Korean games. Favorite moments <laughs> as we wrap things up here. It's definitely Esther Ledetska, just surprising the winter sports world. And uh, I think she's going to become a, a bigger and bigger star. Aaron Power, what about your favorite moment? I think my favorite moment had to be the unified hockey team playing its first game. With a South Korean game, you have to have a Korean mindset. And the crowds there were electric. People were excited. You know, I don't read into as much of the optimism as some of maybe the sport officials about where potential talks after these games may go. Um, the geopolitical realities are very complex, but for one night it was, you know, it was interesting seeing the actual human outcome of, you know, a decision that was seen by these athletes as forced on them by politicians, but they made the best of it. They came out there. We saw 
North and South Korea as one for a brief moment on the sporting field at the Olympics. And, you know, I think it was just, it was a moment that everyone realized was bigger than them. They didn't know why it was bigger than them yet. Uh, we will see that as history plays out in front of us. But it was, it was one of those games that, one of those games that you read about in books years down the line. And mentioning North Korea, I guess one of my favorite moments was sitting down on a sofa at the IOC hotel and spending 10 or 15 minutes talking with the National Olympic Committee president from North Korea and just kind of chewing the fat with him and joking about this and that um, for everything that we hear about North Korea and uh, the way of life there and the way that uh, the United States and North Korea are at such military odds. It was uh, uh, what the Olympics are all about, to sit down with someone from the other side, get to know them a little bit better, and realize everybody's a human. Everybody's got feelings. Everybody can laugh and smile, even in some very serious moments. An overall grade for the games. Uh, anybody care to venture? What I'm uh, I'm torn. It. I am somewhere between a B plus and an A minus. Uh, spectacular sport. The volunteers were fantastic. So friendly when they helped you with something, you almost felt like you had to step up your friendly game. Uh, you know, they'll walk you to somewhere that you didn't know how to get to. Uh, you know, they'll laugh, joke with you, share a story. They were absolutely tremendous. I think the only negative was, as we've been talking about, the lack of atmosphere. It just didn't feel 100% like an Olympics at the ski racing. Overall grade from you, Gerard Farrick. I would give it a solid B. Uh, the, the, unfortunately, the, you know, the press services was just a little too much to overcome for me. Uh, but it was a, it was a B. I, I thought that overall, all I agree with the volunteers part. They were like one of the best things here. One of the best things about this whole experience. Aaron Bauer. B to a B minus. I think at the end of the day, we have to remember that the people of Gangwon province are going to have to live with this $13 billion investment. We don't know how it's going to better their lives. We don't know if it's going to increase tourism into this region. And we have to remember the political consequences and realities of hosting an Olympic Games in this modern times. Sheila. Scott Hula. But I'd say probably, based on my my limited experience in in Gangyung and in the um, in the MPC and with the volunteers, as everybody has said, I'd, I'd give it a B. And I'm going to give them an A minus. Um, I think that overall things went generally in the right direction as far as the games went. They had some enormously complex political issues to deal with that one way or another got handled with the uh, North Koreans I'm, I'm referencing here. Um, Aaron, you're right about the legacy question. It's not only a question for Gang, Gangwon province, but also the national government to figure out what it's going to do to uh, make things happen here. But overall... Overall, it was a it was a, a a good Olympic Games, and I think I'm very surprised with how they came out overall here in South Korea. Thanks very much, everybody, for joining us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio, coming to you from Pyeongchang, which is.
just ended its hosting of the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. Joining us has been Gerard Farrick, our content editor, publisher, Sheila Scott Hula, reporters Aaron Bauer and Brian Pinelli. And we also make mention of the fine work and assistance that we got from the ATR Japan team of Mitsu Oda, Hiro Hashimoto, part of our ATR Japan team. Uh, thanks again. Onwards We're, to Tokyo. Onwards to Tokyo in 2020. Onwards to Beijing in 2022. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day.